Yeah, what's the uh, Instagram handle so people can follow? Uh, word. Uh, appreciate the love. Uh, it's at Julian Gilliam. You can just type in Logic and you'll find me. L-O-G-I-K. Yeah, follow this man. His, uh, his Instagram has a lot of different content on it, you know, from painting to apparel. There's a lot of different creative outlets, so definitely tap in and follow if you're, if you're not already. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to fuck with this real. <laughs> so, yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to let us into your space and chop it up with us. I feel like we got a lot of things to talk That's about. You're involved in a, mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So, did, uh, first off, we always usually try to ask, did you grow up in the city? Nah, man, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I started my childhood growing up in Ferguson. Okay. And, and then my parents saw how bad the neighborhood was getting, so they relocated us to the boondocks, so like a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Very different. Very different. What then, prompted the move to Chicago? Uh, I saw that Chicago, I mean, I saw St. Louis was a bubble of a city. We just got information late. And uh, just the creative nature of it was very stifling. Uh, a lot of my peers weren't really, you just kind of see, it was just very limited. My bad, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we accept all the uh, imperfections, and, you know. I think that's the beauty of it all, just real life. But uh, just my city, man, it was just very stifling in nature. So uh, when, I saw, when I came to Chicago around like 2007 or 2008 to visit my homie Mars, he just in, he introduced me to a lot of musicians and artists here in Chicago, and I was like, "Yo, I need to be around this energy." I ain't never seen nineteen year olds and twenty year olds just cocooning themselves, making shit, and not looking for the return on investment. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying, like yeah. an immediate return, like financially. Yeah. And motherfuckers just cultivating art, and I was like, "I need to be around this energy." So I made I quit basketball and I moved up here. True. Yeah. True. You went to school down there too in St. Louis. Yeah, I used to play college basketball. I played hey. Division One uh, my freshman year. I played at Southeast Missouri State. And then uh, that's when I realized I was living in the middle of nowhere. And then, um, like, I came up here. When I came up here, I learned about Drake and Kendrick, right? This is when they was, like, just starting. And Vic missing all them. They, uh-huh. Vic was, like, 17 maybe. And uh, I came back to St. Louis, and I was like, yo, y'all heard of Drake or, like, Kendrick? He was like, Drake? You know, like, who is that? <laughs> so then I was like, oh, and then I didn't catch on to, like, six months to a year later, and I realized we got information late. We were on, we got translate. Yeah. So then I was like, if I want to be the person I'm trying to be, then I can't stay here. Hell, yeah. That's how I be feeling Chicago <laughs> is, for real. I don't think it's that way anymore, man. Not, think, not no more. I think Chicago more when used I was to a be kid. like... More when I was a kid, I used to feel that way about Chicago. But that's what I was from Chicago and shit. Yeah, everything culture, like, started on the, on the coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. now I feel like, honestly, man, I feel like Chicago, 
it's just right there with it, you know. Like, like I remember, the, like I remember, like going to New, I remember going to New York and shit, and like talking to the young niggas out there, and now I'd be like. You know, you know who Fredo Santana is? They be like, Fredo Santana. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. what y'all? He's like, we listen to pro era, nigga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's younger than me, yeah. yeah. How old are you? I'm 32. I'm about to be 32. Oh, okay. Word, word. Damn, you was in New York early then. Yeah. When they talking about pro era. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was like 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. First time, like, first time in New York, probably like, not 12, probably like 10 years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. But you know what? To be honest, really, the internet opened all that, like, uh, regional shit up. Where yeah. before people in New York fuck with New York shit, LA fuck with LA shit, Chicago. Now, and it's still kind of like that for real. When you get outside, when you get to like the underground shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like, it takes a minute to bubble mm-hmm. to like even the, the surface of the internet, yeah. unless you're seeking it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing now is that you could live in New, you could live in Chicago and be popping in Texas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I be I see niggas like that all the time. I'm because like a lot of times I see like work with niggas or like niggas that hit us. I'm be like, you from Chicago? I'm like, how you just popping? Like I look at yeah, your numbers yeah, yeah. and shit. I'm like this nigga. <laughs> Popping like not popping in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. That's the beauty of the internet. Yeah, though. yeah. That's when you see your analytics and you realize, like, damn, my fan base in this state is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's how people play on tours now, mm-hmm. where it used to be kind of blind, where you just tour everywhere. But now mm-hmm. you can really look at your streams and see where you're getting hits, and you probably should book a show in that place once 100%. shows are ever a fucking thing again. Yeah. But so, so get, getting back to you, so like you say you was playing basketball in school and shit. When it, what was? What was you doing when you first started to like get into your cr- more creative side? Uh, I've always been an artist. Mm. Uh, I've been an artist since I can remember, since I was like four or five, just in elementary school drawing. But um, uh, when I came here, uh, that's when I just got clarity into what I wanted to do. But, bro, I've been freelancing, like designing websites. I was a professional freelance web designer by the time I was 16. I was a super nerd designing websites and logos and type shit like Blizzard Entertainment who created World of Warcraft. For real? I started off in video games. Like I played World of Warcraft and Counter-Strike 1.6. Sure. I was super nerding out playing <laughs> basketball. You know what I'm saying? So it was like in that community, I learned about graphic design and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I started creating businesses like uh, graphic design businesses and website design businesses. Uh, turn like I was on some other entrepreneur stuff like designing companies and then selling the companies that I designed around even if I didn't even want to run it you know I would build it and sell it damn so like yeah man so I've always been like cultivating you know what I'm saying and I knew that those tools early on designing because I knew I could draw but I was like yo people on the internet and this was when I was like 16 so this is like Mm. 2006 and I was already on it and I just knew what that would do for me just having all these different tools. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, bro, it's always been a vision. I wanted, I, Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to create my own version of Disney. So that's what I've been on like pretty much my whole life, trying mm-hmm. to create a world people can step into. Hell yeah. I remember when, that first, when it first clicked to me that like I can get money over the internet. It was like, because like, I come from like bands and shit. I used to be like in uh, like hardcore bands and shit mm-hmm. when I was like 17, 18. And my thing was like, I'm going to have my MySpace tight. What kind of music? Uh, like hardcore music, post hardcore music. Oh, back word. in the day, I used to be a screamer. <laughs> I was the scream. <laughs> Yo, that's but, lit though. But I was like, shit, I gotta get my mosque. I gotta get our MySpace yeah. tight, and then like I got our shit tight. People was like, damn, who did y'all mosque? I'm like, me. I'm like. Well, the thing uh, is, you could actually manipulate your MySpace, like, like the HTML elements and shit. Yeah, no, yeah. that's what it was. was all people were coding back then, yeah. bro. Yeah. That's like, how I learned. That's how coding. I stepped into the whole thing for him. You know people what got I'm butterflies flying like, down there. How, yeah. how can I get this picture right here? Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? 
And then I saw, I was like, shit, I do y'all bad MySpace. I right. do y'all bad MySpace. You know you what I'm saying? You start getting the bag off MySpace. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> off, off the coding for real. Yeah, that's dope. That's, that's what, dope. Yeah. To kind of bounce off that, what you just said, uh, too, how do you feel coming from someone who did design websites about things like Squarespace and now these drag and drop website builders? Do oh. you think it takes away from jobs or do you? Because I mean, I know somebody at the end of the day wrote, like they built those elements and they're letting you drag and drop them. 100%. But it also does take a lot of jobs away from people that could be custom building. Yeah, 100%. But it also, if you look at it the other way, a lot of people are able to start businesses quicker without having to front $1,000 or well, Websites should be like three, four bands. Dude. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, but you can get a cheap one, you know what I'm saying? Right. Use some tables or whatever and get it up. It looked huff, but you could have one. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, because it was that was a barrier for people to get on the internet and to sell their products. But so I look at it like this, you know, they say, "Oh my God, they keep making Photoshop easier." Okay, yeah, but that's not going to take away from the ones that's really cold at exactly. it. Exactly, you can't do everything you need on MySpace. Exactly. I mean, on Squarespace or whatever. If and you, you would it. know too. You know what used to be crazy is fucking building a shopping cart was nuts. Yeah. Now you just buy sp- oh Shopify. It was dude so- building out a shopping <laughs> cart was <laughs> fucking crazy. I remember kid. when you had that assignment. <laughs> Oh, dude, I had to I build that shit from scratch, dude. Like, I'm just trying to build this shop. <laughs> yeah, this is fucking crazy. Oh, you were programming them? Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's some other shit, like adding a shopping cart. Like, now like, you just buy the joint. Bro, yeah, because I used to have to source programmers for my stuff, and, like, yo, it was hard breaking news to people, like, yo, it's about to be a couple bands to get this yeah. shopping cart popping. For know? sure, that's what I, I I work in programming at, you know, like yeah, we were talking yeah. about a little bit before, yeah. But building that shit from scratch, now the thing is with, with coding and, like, the, these things have been done so much, there's no point to, like, reinvent the wheel. You just grab somebody else's yeah. shit and manipulate it a little bit. Yeah, Because it's already been written a thousand times. But now there's, like, Shopify, yep. where you just pay these people, like, $12 a month and yeah. you got a fucking shopping cart, where it used to cost yeah. companies, like, bands. But bands. you can look at the same thing in regards to, like, it's already been built a thousand times, so why reinvent the wheel? Because I've been planning, the, you know, the NFT creative 3D space or whatever. So the same thing is happening. We ain't got to go down that route, but just the same thing is happening like when you get 3D trees. If you look at a, like a film or like a commercial or a video game and you see trees and grass, people are not building the grass over or building the trees yeah. over. Shit's been built a thousand times. You just buy the trees, source the trees, you know what yeah. I'm saying? That's yeah. a whole nother level. That's, <laughs> That's the thing, because like, you, you just got to really know what to do with that motherfucker. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. It's the same thing with music and shit. When motherfuckers be uh, like getting sounds and shit, little sound samples and yeah, shit. It's yeah. like, why would I sit here and make this snare when I could literally just download this snare? A thousand snare. snares. You know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> that's the beauty of it, though. You give somebody the same drum pack, and some 10 different people are going to make 10 different beats, yeah. you know, with the yeah. same sounds. Because everyone minds just sees things and hears things a little differently. Man, it's like that shit visually, too. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what some people think. They always need to, like, have these new things where mm-hmm. you could take these things and just look at it in your own way and create mm-hmm. something new. 100%. You don't need a new thing. Yeah, like, you just nigga, need to look like, at it in a unique way. Like, nigga, I will get busy and paint. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For real. <laughs> I will get busy and paint. That's my jam. That's funny. <laughs> so you end up moving to Chicago, which I think was a great decision. The city's amazing. How did you end up uh, landing the job at Google? Because you work for Google, which oh, is like a leader in tech, I feel like. It's been since I was 15. You know, like understanding the internet, you know what I mean? In, in an intimate way, not textbook, but just being like uh, using it in a way that with a lot of intention early and not just being a social media follower or whatever you know I was really just manipulating it and stretching it so just even doing that and um, being at Google is all about they they really look at individuality and the thing that you can bring to the table 
And just being a black man, you know, I just realized I needed more tools than my counterparts. So when like when I moved from Ferguson to the Boondocks, a predominantly white neighborhood, it was a well-funded high school. And you just start to see the differences in like the resources and the 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 privilege of mm-hmm. it all, right? And I'm sitting here looking at this and, and I'm living in this. And then I go back to my family and I see that they don't have those things that I'm going to school. Yeah, water polo, field hockey type shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then when you when you see those things, you start to realize that what society has told you who you are is not what you are supposed to be. And then when you see the the beacon of hope, quote unquote, white is right type shit, just like the way society builds it, you realize that those people aren't necessarily more uh, they're not smarter or they're not more um, what what have you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? They just have more money or whatever. They don't have the answers. They're not happier than your community. So when you see these things, you start to really identify like I'm you guys don't have the answers. Neither do you. I don't want to stay here. So you start to I started to just kind of really, really hone in on who the fuck Julian is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And really understanding that those tools that they have or like, for instance, in advertising, uh, the African-American community, the black community, we only make up like 5.6% of the industry. And let's say the average, and I know y'all can stop me or y'all can cut me off. No, but, no, no, go ahead. But you look at the industry, um, let's say the average salary in the advertising industry is $80,000, right? But black people only make up 5.6% of that. So we're not seeing none of that money. So then you can get into the tech industry where we probably make up 4%, maybe. And let's say the average salary is 180000 we not seeing none of that. And then you can even stretch that to doctors and lawyers where we even index even lower. So when you start to see these things, you start, I start to understand I need to be a wealth of knowledge. So I made it an intention to have – it was kind of like basketball. I didn't like to come out the game, right? My dad was like, so if we need a three and you can't shoot, you coming out. If we need to play defense and you can't play defense, you coming out. So the thing was to be able to do everything. So it's crunch time. You can't pull me. You can't. Yeah. Who you gonna replace me with? So the same thing happened within. I approached the art game this same way, whether it's photography or animation or being able to create a website and even not even just being a task oriented person, but being able to see the big picture. Yeah. So understanding these because I knew I had to have more, or else I was gonna be another cog in the machine. I kept, I saw the machine happening, and I saw how the thought leaders were were cultivating and innovating and how that person separated themselves from everyone else. And it wasn't about trying to be different. It was just not playing into the, the parts that they were, that were perpetuated to us. Mm-hmm. So that's, 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 so that's how I, so I say all that to say when I got into the advertising industry, shout out to the Marcus Graham project because the Marcus Graham project is named after um, Eddie Murphy's character in Boomerang. And he played a creative director. Yeah. And the reason why I was homage to him is because in that, that day and time, black creative directors didn't exist in the advertising industry, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I attended this, this program in 2012, um, and I went to Dallas. It was like a pop-up advertising boot camp. And it was geared towards getting people of color and women into the advertising industry. Mm-hmm. So the way I got into there was because I've been designing since I was 16. I didn't know what I was doing the whole time was advertising. So I just, I sent mixtape covers that I was doing for the homies in Chicago when I moved here. Cause I was getting my degree in animation. I didn't even know what fuck advertising or marketing was really. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to, what, you know? So I had a couple of homies that did it before. And it's like, you should, you should apply for this. So I got in there, did the internship. And at the end we got interviewed by agencies and I was, I got, accepted into a black agency 
here in Chicago. It's called 1035 now, but it was called Common Ground then. So here I am working at an agency. It's black-owned. People speaking Spanish. People saying nigga in the office. We smoking blunts. My creative director smoking blunts at break. He got tattoos, and he holding down 12 accounts, Nike and uh, Grey Goose and all this stuff. And I'm seeing people that look like me making salary and doing cool shit. Hell and I'm man. like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this? So right then and there, I was able to see that I could be myself and work in corporate America and be able to talk to these brands and approach these brands. And at the same time, I was still doing my art. Thing. I, was in art. I was in school. I got a job when I was in college still. So I'm doing college, getting at, doing animation, doing underground art stuff with all the music homies. And then I was working in advertising. So I was like playing in all these spaces all at one time. And, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll make it quick. As I was making $35,000, it was like real. At first it was interned, then it was $35,000, very little. But I took all that money to see things, like whether it was South by Southwest or Art Basel. And just because, you know, people try to get really like, like they'll save money for, like what you saving? It's 30, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's pennies <laughs> what you saving. So I would really go to like South by Southwest with 200 in my pocket. Just as, it wasn't just Dang. a party. It was to see why people came. And that shit would change your brain for real. Like, yeah. I right? When I was in school and I first went to South Bay, bro, that shit literally changed my brain, bro. Because you, you just saw, like, going. did you go to yeah. Elmore? Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Wax and them the homies, man. Yeah, bro. You know what I'm oh, so, shout like, out. I was posted at the Elmore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was getting niggas in. Have you been to, did you go to Elmore? Uh-uh. Bro, it was literally. Tyler, I remember the last time I went out there, Kurt, man. <laughs> <laughs> you should pull up. Bro, literally, it was like, a, uh, did you go to the OG one, like the mansion? Yup. It was like a house, and and and, and it, what it did was, you got to see just Wiz walking by. You got to yeah. see Mac Miller over there in the corner, Asheraw, mm-hmm. Trinidad James. With your eyes, yeah. Bro. And it was right a there. house party. It was a house party. Kendrick Lamar, TDE. It was, yeah. it, and it started at twelve, and yeah, it was like, at six. Was yeah, that, that was like six. section eighty, Kendrick too. It was, bro, yeah, yes. like Kendrick, it was Kendrick. Bro, yeah, it, it was. was uh, yeah, that shit. Because it would be the after after party. Yeah, like, you would go to the last. Yeah, you would go to the last like. Show or whatever that you yeah. were going to that night, like niggas, like you going to Elmore, bro? Yeah, I'm going to Elmore. Bro, going to Elmore? Yeah, let's go. And then and it was like lines, bro. Like line, like people didn't get in, bro. More, more people didn't get in, bro. Yeah, Jake. but the point the point I'm making is when when you just even maneuvering the way I was being in spaces that I because I had the homies I worked in advertising. They was mm. at the complex house, so I met Nipsey. I met Childish Gambino. I'm taking pictures of them. I'm getting access as a broke ass kid. Hell you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just like flying around. Seeing these things. Well, sometimes those experiences are worth more than money. No, yeah, 100%. 100%. But that's understanding that, right? That's that self-investment, right? Yeah. And, and also looking at knowledge and education in a way that's not so, like, in the school sense, yeah. right? Because, honestly, I tell niggas that, like, that was my internship. You know what I'm saying? I, I was, yeah. we, were oh, doing this, we were doing this little label or whatever, and I'm like, bro, I look at that shit like my internship. Yeah, because like, it's... It introduced it's, me to the game, for It puts you on the ground, but... We would take like little tricks, CMJ and shit. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what it what it did what it did to you, what it did to me, whether it was Art Basel, which was another level up, what it and me performing in shows where working in advertising, where we look at we we're trying to use talent or uh, uh, influencers. But I was a micro influencer. I was doing these things, and I was in the realm in which advertising was picking out when I started getting into more of the. The general market agencies, uh, like I worked at Havas or, or, or Leo Burnett, but those are predominantly, when they say general market, it's like a white marketing situation, mm-hmm. right? So when they're looking at talents and things, 
they are only looking at trends from a bird's eye view. So everything that, how every, however they approach the game, it was the idea of culture and color is synonymous. But it's so hard for them to step outside and say hip hop isn't for black. Hip hop isn't exclusively for black people. They couldn't see it, mm-hmm. or just it was all. It was like so when you start to see these differences, I didn't. I realized I didn't have shit to lose. First of all, it's less than five percent, like less than six percent of us in this industry. You need my you need my perspective in these spaces, and and going into just the trajectory of it all. The, the, limit, the limited amount of representation in the space, I couldn't, as I left the black agency that I, the black owned agency that I was at, and I moved on to the traditional ones, I quickly realized that I couldn't depend on them to identify my, my worth because it's all, it, the industry is all about waiting in line to get you know, your promotion or whatever, or you jump another agency, right? So approaching these things, it was always identifying the utility and why I'm working at this agency because what I want to do is remember create my own version of Disney I'm trying to create a world so instead of me having a because I know how long it takes me to do art piece instead of me having to pay to paint someone's dog to keep bread in my pocket and to keep try to keep the lights on because that's another struggle I realized that I can double down on advertising take the money from there and Invested into where I, like whether it was South Bar or my canvases or yep. to make things happen, you know what I'm saying? Where I'm not like trying to scramble money to to make you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So by doing this, I identify the utility in advertising is just you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So by doing that, I wasn't a slave to the to the hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you were just taking what they were giving you and putting it into yourself in yeah. other aspects. That's exactly. But also the pressure, the yeah. pressure of oh, am I? to impress this person, realizing every single one, I knew that it was a, a, a temporary agenda. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it was more so like, as, you, as doing these things, it allowed for me to stay up, not like stay up to three in the morning to do my artwork and to show, I'll show up to work with paint on my clothes and knocking it out. But it was just, I say all that to say, man, it wasn't just about that. It was also, I had to learn what was behind the curtain that, everyone I knew didn't know. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it was like process and how to make a million dollar commercial. Uh, how, how, how many people it, actually, actually, it takes to make a campaign work like oh. on this big scale. When you start to get to see it, but then you get to see how the homies do it with no capital. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But also while we're on this really quick, me and Perry talk about it a bunch. Yeah. So I want to get your outlook. I mean, we got to scale it back from the, the million dollar commercial thing. But yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you how do you feel about teamwork and creative processes? Because we both really back it, and I want to kind of get your view on that. If you feel like teams are better in creating something, or individuals kind of work well, yeah, in that man, situation. that's a great question. That's a fucking great question. I think it, it's it's about understanding your position in your artistry, understanding your position in the industry in which you're trying to partake in. And when I say this, because I remember early in the game, artists. Still now today, but earlier, every artist wanted to collaborate, right? Mm. And not just with me, just everybody trying to collaborate with each other or whatever. But then what I found is most people are trying to collaborate to make up for having to do shit. So what I and I say that when people ask me to collaborate, especially when I was like in my mid twenties or whatever, I didn't want to collaborate because I didn't feel like my vision was fully fleshed out. I needed to focus on what I wanted to bring to the table so it's not just 
getting lost in the sauce of this agenda when I got so much self-development that I needed to do. So when, uh, like, I've had people, like, let's collaborate. But when I get when I look at their stuff and I'm like, what are you bringing? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily, like, I'm this whole thing, but it's like, make sure you doing what you you doing what you need to do in order to understand who you are and have a holistic like yeah approach you feel me yeah. but also in the thing of teamwork i commend team, teamwork 100% cuz i'm at a point where i can't do none of this shit all by myself so and i think a lot of the collaboration pieces really help the vision come to life yeah. like how y'all doing this that's teamwork you know what i'm saying so it's like yeah yeah exactly oh, go ahead i'll say if it, i feel like uh like when i'm looking for somebody to collaborate with i'm looking for somebody to understand it on the same level i do so like granted you might be doing this part but like, or i might be doing this part and you could talk to me and, and like actually direct me on like what you trying to do yeah yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah 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 i think it's a different thing when you're collaborating with someone versus just working on a project with them because say say me and you me and us like we want to do like a face value collaboration with you that kind of means more speaking to what you're saying i think we're like looking for worth in each other Mm. but if we all just sit down outside of our like brands or whatever and just try to make like a jacket i think all three of our brains will make a better jacket than one of our brains but we're not trying to gain worth from each other like i just want to put your name on it too but we're actually just saying like we should use like chenille letters here we should do this here but then someone's like no no move this here yeah yeah, i think that really helps but not when you're like, because we think collaborations are beaten to fucking death. Where it's like, put your logo by my logo, and this is gonna go the crazy. The X thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking. But I think when you just all have like a common common ground of wanting to build the same product, like having more creative minds is really helpful. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll see something that somebody might miss, and be like, oh, we should move. Even moving something a little bit, or like, we should hit this here. We should use this detailing here, etc. I think it helps to have all those different like opinions. If it's the group of people you do want working on the project. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, yeah. And that's why like, when we work on merch together, and shit, it's always so seamless because we have the same vision, but we think differently. Yeah, yeah. And it helps to make, to me, like, the best possible piece because we have two different like, eyes, but we are searching for the same end goal. And we're not trying to like, gain from each other like, oh, your name is just bigger, so help out with this. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think it, it goes into, um, but I, I do stress because I've, I've collaborated since I was younger. Like I've been collaborating all my life, so don't let me say that it, I was just focused on me, but I think it was, it depends on what aspect of what you, like, what interests are you trying to collaborate within, like, what medium or what product, and I, and I say this because, um, I, while you're collaborating with each other, I think it is important to do things on your own, um, I just find a lot of people put a lot of eggs in the basket on a collaboration, and if that thing, uh, dissolves or whatever, they, they, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I can do, you know. So I think when I said that, I kind of meant that in more of a, a marriage, you know what I'm saying? So while you're collaborating, make sure that you're really building yeah. yourself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, the, the, like, that's to the point where like, what I was saying, I'm like, if I collaborate with you, I want to I feel like you pushing me to do something different yeah, that yeah, I would yeah, normally yeah. not do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, for example, like me and Calfani collaborate a lot because, like, when I'm rapping with Calfani, it make me want to like do some other shit that I wouldn't wow, normally do. Wow, I haven't do. seen him in a minute. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> their new shit is hard, dude. They gotta, yeah, we got we got a tape coming out together. It's, so. it's oh, hard, shit. yeah. It's it's dope. Dope. But uh, yeah, no, but I'm saying, I'm saying, cause like I I rap with some other people and they'd be like, oh yeah, just just put your shit on the like put your verse on there, put your verse. On yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And like I'm not get, like I'm not getting nothing from it. I'm not putting nothing out to you. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah, that, I feel you on that shit. 
I feel like the uh, the apparel pieces you make uh, are like kind of st- they're like statement driven. Is that like a conscious effort where you really want to make? Do you feel like clothes are another canvas of art, basically? One hundred percent. And I, I really just kind of struggle with when I created. I was creating clothes, or you know, thinking of like what can I put on a t shirt. And I would see things that just kind of had words on them, but I didn't really feel anything from them. Um, so like. I almost wanted to create clothes that felt like it was a part of you. Like this was the most conscious decision I ever made, like not the ever made, but like when I made the black Panther jacket, that was one of the first pieces I put out for just people to get from me. Um, Cause I had a clothing brand back in St. Louis just to kind of see what that could be like. Uh, but when I dropped that black Panther jacket, man, uh, that was the first one. And the reason why I did it is because it wasn't, I didn't make any profit. I probably lost money making the jacket cause I was, mm-hmm doing a whole bunch of backward stuff. But the fact is, I want to put that narrative out there. I wanted people, when they put it on, it felt like a badge of who they were. You know what I'm saying? So I, I hand-painted each piece just so I felt like a, a, a art piece for me because I, I haven't sold any of my originals up until today. No one has an original from me. So I hand-painted each jacket, all power to the people, um, and whatever else I did to the jacket. And I just I wanted to give people a piece of me in a way I, that felt I'm from Ferguson. I made it around the time the the Mike Brown thing mm-hmm. happened. As I, but the crazy thing is, man, I was already sketching it, um, and then it happened, and it was like, yo, this is the wildest. It was so devastating, yeah. but I was like, I have to get this out because the reason why I made it, man, and like whether my face mask says "Breathe Easy" on it, which goes into just like the you know us getting choked out and mm-hmm. I can't breathe, you know, the whole, and then also the the idea of. Uh, being being guilty of being black or whatever, just like being black is like always being demonized and you feeling like imposter syndrome or where am I supposed to be? I'm smoking a blunt. It just looks so much more worse, yeah. me smoking a yeah. blunt. Just everything, right? So the idea of breathe easy is just a, another identifier of like just just to be able to just to be, you know what exactly. I'm saying? That, that's what it meant. So, or my shirt that says product of America with the, the price tag on it. We're literally products of America. Whether you're whatever color you are, still a product, but then also just products of our environment. Uh, all of, all of those things are encompassing, uh, just based on our our societal structures. So yeah, man, that, I know I went on a I go deep on it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it's supposed to go, man. But really, because if you think about it, the way you present yourself can speak in volumes of who you are as a person. So the clothes you're putting on, if they, you know, if it has a message to who you are, that's kind of like it's a dope thing you know it's another yeah. way to represent things you feel like yeah. you were saying if you just put something like a t-shirt don't mean shit it's so oversaturated like i try to pick my clothes based on like how i feel you know what i'm saying it make me feel a certain way when yes, i wear sir. some shit yeah so, and like i i, I mean i always because i grew up skateboarding and like got into streetwear super early and the reason i really resonated with streetwear is because those brands like these brands like you know back in the day like mighty healthy all these brands they were owned by an individual and when you bought those pieces, you were really supporting their vision. 100%. Not you're buying fucking, like, don't get me wrong. I, I would get, like, a Nautica jacket off. But, like, when you're buying Nautica, what are you really supporting? You know, it's like a yeah, corporate, yeah. it's a corporation, really. Like, but when you're buying, a, like, a streetwear brand or somebody's thing that they created, you're really putting money back into their pocket to keep their thing moving. It's like, I would never buy a graphic T-shirt from Urban Outfitters. <laughs> never. I don't care what's on a T-shirt. I would just never do it. You know how many of those yeah. bitches? <laughs> I folded so many of those bitches in my life. Yeah. I, worked at, I worked at Urban for like four years. Fucking horrible. Oh, wow. Just, I worked in retail, too. Oh, yeah. It's fucking the worst job in yeah. the world. I worked in a low-volume guest store 
in the suburbs. It was terrible. Oh, that wasn't popping at all. You weren't building no, shit. Bro, it was awful. <laughs> and they were like, Julian, uh, we see that you haven't bought any of the pants yet. I'm like, bro, y'all pay me like seven fifty an hour. <laughs> I can't like, afford these pants with the <laughs> discount. Bro, them $65 jeans <laughs> are expensive. Throw me some pants. Right? Let me throw this. They're like, you see the sales. We can't throw you no <laughs> But like, let's talk about that uh, streetwear for a minute when you said uh, just when you supporting the, you know, a statement or a person or just like a movement of some sort, just a whole, uh, 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 a stream of thought that you just resonate with. You remember those those moments when if you had like a, a Stussy shirt or like a 10 deep or something and no one else had those things on, you saw somebody else had the joint yeah. on? Well, it was like you, slight you knew you liked each other. Yeah, bro, you could see each the other. Internet was crazy. That shit. Yeah, the internet killed Yeah, Because you used to have to go to New York to cop some 10 deep. Yeah. Or like... I mean, I worked in uh, this place called Active in, in San Diego. It was like a skateboard shop, but sold like more like boutique stuff. And we carried 10 deep. You either had to be like in the outlet or be in the city. But now you can just get the shit wherever. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird, you know. Yeah, like, if I see you in a 10 D shirt, I might say, I might say, what's, I might say this shit loud as hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just go up next to you be like, hey, well, man, I don't know about this party week as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it was like spark the convo. You and know what that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like the way you present yourself does signify kind of who you are as a person. Where yeah, if you yeah. saw someone back in the day wearing the 10 D, you're like, oh, we probably fuck with each other. We might like some of the same music. Where you yeah. from? Blah, blah, blah. Where you from, bro? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, which is, I think that's amazing. That's, that's hard, bro. That's the part of the culture I really fuck with. That's the thing. You see, said, like, hey, bro, that shit hard, bro. Yeah, it was, yeah I got this from, uh, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, because like you, like you said, it, it like, it, it, it was a, it was a, a signifier. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it stood out through the clutter. But it was just something that just resonated. Yeah, yeah, it made just such a big statement then. Yeah. And there's still moments that make huge statements, dude. I, like, literally dorked the fuck out when I saw Homegirl at the inauguration wearing the Pierre Moss jacket. Right? I was like, that's <laughs> fucking fire. Like, he was probably like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, right. Even though, like, I feel like he's got other shit on his mind anyway, but that's just a win. Yeah, Like, bro. at the biggest viewed fucking thing, she's wearing your jacket. But that's just Which beautiful. no one even knows who... Dude, really, in the grand scheme, no one but really the, knows. The, the proper people, then the people yeah, that matter. I was matter. like, oh shit, exactly. she would appear in Austin. Because yeah, you know, like, those people are going to circulate that information. That's all yeah. that matters. Like, yeah, yeah. Those who know, that's the ones that's going to uh, influence the culture. And keep driving it. I mean, the, yeah. uh, the ones of us that are tapped in are the ones that keep it moving. Yeah. And at a certain point, it just catches on to the, the mainstream. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, I know people have this weird stigma of when people like go like cross into the mainstream. I'm almost like, dude, if you paid your fucking dues, get money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you deserve it at some point. You can't just be this, like, low-key, like, icon forever. Because work is work. You're still putting energy and work into it. At a certain point, I like to see people just give money. Yeah, and yeah. that's what a lot of these brands I saw transi- transition from, like, streetwear brands to, like, mall brands. Yeah, I would stop wearing them because they don't really need your support anymore. But it's still good for them. Yeah, like, just yeah. get your money. You know, you put all this fucking work into building this brand. 100%. You know, at a certain point, you got to be compensated for your time. Yeah, that's when so. you get into that sticky situation of, like, are you selling out or are you just, like, nah, bro, I just wanted to make me a Nautica, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. That, that's getting all the love everywhere. Yeah. You can find me in Walmart or whatever. You know? Jerry Lorenzo recently talked about it. Where He's, like, li- literally the only dude that successfully put his shit in Sun and didn't take an L. Like, they sell the essential shit in Sun, and yeah. Fear of God is still mad relevant. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I just felt like we created a different brand and tried to stay true to this thing. But it's really impressive that it didn't, like, negate the fucking That's beautiful. thing of the brand, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that goes into just, like, the, the times because uh, back in the day, I think MC Hammer came out with a video game and everybody said he, like, sold out. But then... 
50 Cent came out of the video yeah. game and it was like, yo, shit. we fucking with it. So it just go into, you know, like maybe it's just a time situation just to look at the, the thought, the, uh, you know, the collective thought and acceptance of a group of people. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? People yeah. are like, oh, fear of God. Yeah, we rocking with Jerry Lorenzo. Cool as hell. He been like, you can see all the stuff on internet. You see the lifestyle stuff. And then you go in there, you go in there and you're just like, okay, this makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see this being some fuck shit. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's I really crazy. this vibe. While we're on this uh, this topic, it feels right to just talk about Pada and Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I dropped so, a collaboration. Pada, where, where are they from? Netherlands. They're from the Netherlands. I didn't know that, like, so um, they're doing a collaboration with Tommy Hilfiger, and it's supposed to be a pan-afro, you know what I'm saying, like, thing going on there. That, but, like, it's funny because, like, uh... I didn't notice until you told me, but Pata is black owned. I didn't so know Pata yeah, was too black owned. Sure. And I was like, it's just funny that they would choose Tommy Hilfiger, but I guess that's them trying to get rid of that stigma that everybody got. You know what I'm saying? Because I know everybody. Tommy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know every every black like kid. Y'all say every black kid when we was in from sixth, our generation because that's when he said that shit. Some shit he was on, like, I don't want black people wearing. Yeah, you be like Tommy Hilfiger racist. That was like yeah. the first <laughs> shit I remember. My first clothing brand to get like the Gucci like yeah. gas station it was Tommy Hilfiger. I was a kid. Motherfucker was like Tommy racist for real, cause uh, but yeah, it's just it it's crazy to me that he doing that they doing this uh collaboration. I'm actually excited to see what it what it's gonna look like. I want to see what the pieces look like, cause I love but the Pata. logo. The logo go hard. Red. They got the same like Tommy Hilfiger logo, but it's uh green red. It's green and red instead of green. And, I mean red and blue. Oh, they went the okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they freaked it with that. But I don't I mean, know. It, it, it you know it's fine lines. It could be. It's gonna be accepted, but it's also gonna face a lot yeah. of. Criticism. It, I just assumed Paddle. I just knew they was from Europe. I just assumed that they was white. I didn't know they was black old. So when I seen it, I was like, "What?" There's black people in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but I just didn't think. I just didn't think. They're just I Chicago is well. like what? I ain't put it together, man. Because I, I ain't know. I ain't never like looked. I, mean, I remember there was a time where I only thought white people lived in England. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I met a black. I was like, you live in England? What the hell? <laughs> nah, uh, America fucked us up. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? I remember. I remember like I. Re- Recently, just found out how many black people in South America for real. We was yeah. watching. Uh, they got because like oh, you just learned about the the, the slave trade and all. Yeah, that no, stuff. I mean oh. I knew about it and shit, but I just like never thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You it's never really of, think about it. We like everywhere, that, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and they just, <laughs> they don't make it knowledge. Man. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't make it knowledge for real. I'm like, oh, I'm like, cause uh, they had a, a PBS documentary. It was like Black in Latin America. Yeah, yeah. Kelly yeah, was yeah. one like, we should watch this. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this shit. You know, it's, it's uh, it's Black Japanese people in like Jamaica or something like that. Damn. See? I mean, yeah, it's like a black Japanese thing. See, they don't let motherfuckers know Jamaican that shit. Japanese. They do you not know? let people know nah. that shit for real. But, you know, but, I mean, it's all what you see in the media. You know, me working in advertising, I really see a lot of stereotype stuff, stereotypical things getting pushed through. And if I wasn't there, that shit would, would have definitely gone through. Um, yeah, man, it's just that they don't, like, even with the way you see a person who... Um, you identify Latin, Latin descent, you see like a light skin yeah. person, right? And then you don't even get to see the variations in that Latin community. But yeah, it's crazy just what advertising can do to really shape our perception of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't In advertising, don't they really consciously try to paint that narrative, though? Don't they really cater, try to cater to certain markets? Well, I think... They cater to where the money is, man. Uh, yeah, they go, they go where the money is, but you got to look at who's who's working on these projects and... I'm not a stranger to in 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 this uh, this observation that you know it's a white cis male gender dominated society. You know what I'm saying? So that goes into um, the ideas that you perpetuate. So 
whether you in the office and you see every single this supposed to be some type of cultural statement and every single character is a, a white man, you know what I'm saying? You'll see stuff like that. But then you also see, like I just saw some ideas uh, in the past two years and where black people are doing crazy things like with boom boxes and like this thing and then they the way they have latin people portrayed so you see all these these ideas but it's not about do they want to perpetuate it it's the fact that it's a lack of understanding because you got to think about it when you've been a other quote unquote your entire life you have to be cognizant you are cognizant that you are underrepresented so when you enter a room and you then you start to realize women are represented because you start to you, you don't want what happened to you to happen mm-hmm. to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But if you never have to go through these things, you don't know to ask or to, yeah, to change you? it. Yeah. Why, why would you? you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't it's almost yes, they, it is to perpetuate a narrative, but it is also laziness and is also lack of curiosity, which I guess can be para, uh, laziness. But and then it's also complete ignorance yeah i think that's the, the key factor the ignorance really where there's like you know it's fucking pure ignorance but it's like we don't care enough to care so it's exactly like, like whatever yeah it's been working so keep it moving you know uh, like yeah. when really the thing is everything could actually be so much more pure if they let the people that were really tapped into things curate the things you know i think it's people that are very far removed that have more control over things than the people that are really like on the ground level and, in, and immersed in what's you're trying to do 100 percent, and that's trash i mean but you, you will you will like that but you know it's a barrier between the people that are doing these things in a diy like zero capital situation and those people who are again at a bird's eye view who see why they see is hot but they don't understand why it's hot so then when you're talking about the people who are on the ground level where your homie who literally doesn't have any money but shot the hottest joint that's in complex magazine and the person from the person, just the person that's up top, just sees it in Complex Magazine, but they don't know how that shit came to be, right? So when, you, when you're looking at these things, the person who understands the culture doesn't understand the corporate structures because of the resource value to get to said structure. Mm-hmm. So when they do enter those spaces, there is a, there is a clear divide between cultural... Uh, cultural um, nuances within the spaces because they're built for somebody but then you're just a nice to have to add to the pot so then therefore it gets into the point where you're being used yo we got this black idea you work on this one but you can't work on the general market quote-unquote idea for i don't know whatever the other brand is so it and then and i'll end on this i agree with you but it's such a hard it's such a, a, um, a divide in resources and trajectory to get to these places because then when you get there, you're not even prepped to, to win mm-hmm. because you don't understand the, the business uh, 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 corporate acumen or business acumen. You don't understand how to necessarily sell ideas. All you're prepped to do is get taken advantage of. A hundred percent. That's what you do. You get taken. You're, if you're like a creative person that has just ideas and things, you just really are set up to just get taken advantage of. They're like, we're going to run through those ideas, then you can and just... you remain back. a junior forever. Yeah. <laughs> Here, take like, your nah, salary. Nah. What do you think yeah. about this? All right, bye, you know? Like, it's fucking crazy because yeah. they... It's just two different ways of minds working. You know, like, your mind... Like, creative minds don't work the same way as these, like, business minds. But the thing is, I think if they let a lot more of the people with these ideas be in those higher roles, it would just change the structure in a positive way. Yeah. Where it wouldn't be so, like, driven by, like... 
uh, I wouldn't want to say like financials because money is important. That's the end goal, I guess. It's all but numbers, bro. It'd be more driven by like uh, just organicness. You know, like this is working because it's like yeah. we have the right people in place making these choices versus, well, this worked last year. We should run this back, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, dude, that, that doesn't matter. You got to be really in this shit. You know? I'm, like yeah. that is a, that would be a 2025 or 2030 way of thinking maybe in businesses but you got to think everything the bottom line is numbers and like when you pitching somebody whether it's an influencer or the wave or whatever those numbers like i remember pitching joe fresh goods five years ago yeah but you didn't have the numbers yet yeah but the thing is but you understand his the you understand his impact from an intimate ground level you understand what he's doing to the culture Mm-hmm. But for those people who don't live that, because they're not in the culture, yeah. they they're, can't. They're they can't fathom it. Yeah. So it takes four more years to sell them through, and everybody's like, "Now let's get them." Like, well, it's too late, motherfucker. Yeah. But it's that it's that it's that thing of what you're talking about. Because if we were working in the agency, and you, say for instance, you was a big dog, and I'm like, "Yo," and you know who? Like, yeah, run like, yeah Joe's run up. Yeah, yeah, run up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like it's such a it's such a it's a like you it's a it's a divide, bro. It's like it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. a huge fucking removal from it. Yeah. We actually yeah. just had this band on the pod uh, a couple days ago, and they were, we were talking about a similar situation where you can be shopping the best record to labels, and the first thing they're going to ask you is, like, well, how many Instagram followers do you have? Exactly. They don't care exactly. how good the, re- the record could be fucking amazing, but if you're like, oh, we got 3,000 Instagram followers, it's, it's like, like, pass, pass, yeah. pass. It's always you like, know, how, like much, how much bread can you prove that's going to happen? Like, do you, you know understand Atlanta and New York and L.A. all rocking to this right now? It doesn't no, matter. No. What are the what, followers? Instagram followers? It's like, dude, you're just not yeah. even paying attention to the right shit. You <laughs> yeah. know, like this is going off. Like, yeah. but that's yeah. how it is. Uh, I mean, moving on to that too is something that's, that's buzzing really hard is these uh, little Nas X Nike Air Max ninety sevens, the the customized joints. That was yeah, a perfect yo. transition. <laughs> They're making fucking crazy waves on the internet. Yeah, yo. So uh, when the video came out, what's the what's the name of the song? Call me by my name. I Call think. me by my name. Something like that. He uh, little Nas X dropped a video. <laughs> And the video was sick As I actually fuck with the video It's like Andre 3000 You know what I'm saying It's wild yeah It's a wild video It's no Old Town Road he, Yeah no, it's, it's no Old Town Road <laughs> But he, I, I will I will I will say that I, I give I, I Look when I was looking at it And my man was a very very new artist With like three years in the game mm-hmm. This is his really second song That's right? what I'm saying yeah. bro But the way I'm just gonna commend him for his performance in the video, the comfortability he had yeah. in the video, the statement he made in the video. Just I knew it was like they've been like teasing out like his 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 like, hey, look, I'm, I'm I don't identify, which I thought I did. I'm mm-hmm. I don't know homosexual or whatever his thing is. You know what I'm saying? Whatever I don't, it doesn't matter. But when he the way he just transformed and came out with that video, I was like, bro. They gave yeah. you the budget for this video. <laughs> I mean, the label approved that shit. That's so, what yeah. I'm saying. And his performance yeah. was great. It, it was, was like, yo, you kind of, you went. In, in, yeah. He was really doing, he really swinging on that pole. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> in that move. It's like, damn, you practice. Yeah, for real. Like, yo, look. He was at Bailey's crib putting but, work uh, in on that bitch. But yeah, so after the video, uh, what's the name of the company? Do you have it on top? Um, Fuck, I forgot the name of it. There's a company that put out a, a Air Max, a custom Air Max. That, uh, it's like Mis- Mischief. Mischief. Yeah, that was like uh, Satan inspired. Mm-hmm. So it, it's got like, a, it's all like black and red and shit. It's got like a. It's got a, a pentagram on the a thing. A pentagram on it. It's supposed to have like a drop of human blood in the soul of the Air Max. There's, for real. there's 666 <laughs> pairs that came out. Yeah, how much it costs? 1018. Yeah, so. What's the 1018? What's the significance? I think it's like a. 
I don't know, man. I'm so ignorant to like religion shit, so I feel bad. But it's like I think it's a verse in the Bible where Satan comes down from heaven to hell. And that's like the tiny oh, right. yeah. and that's well thought really, out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, some well thought out devil shit. Which like <laughs> there's whatever, people that cool. are like very much against it. Which whatever you know, have your opinions. But the thing about it is. You got to be crazy to think Nike actually put the shoe out. Yeah, so it's a customized <laughs> shoe. They, yeah, so they just like, bought six hundred sixty-six pairs the shit, of Air Max. The shit dropped and it sold out instantly or whatever. Nike found out and uh, Nike sent them a, a cease and desist. Did they actually sue them? I think they, they actually sued, sued them. them. Yeah, but so Nike I think up, Nike sued them though just to show that they had no yeah like partnership yeah. in it because people are very confused thinking that Nike put the shoe out, <laughs> which they would never fucking do that. And the thing about it for me is. And my whole stance on this, which I think is crazy. So before, this same brand did put out a shoe that was like filled with holy water. Yeah, it was, it was a... So it was like a religious a heaven, shoe. A heaven one. They did a hell when they did a heaven one. And my thing oh, is... Word. Okay, so now that they're putting out this like Satan-based silhouette, right? Mm. All these religious people are acting out against it. Like, this is fucking crazy, whatever. But the thing is, if you don't really practice religion, when they put out the religious shoe... You're just like, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. The, the the differences in the reaction well, is fucking crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's just because of... Dude, I didn't even know he dropped it's the, just the... It wasn't a Nas X, though. Uh, they just did it. They just did it. I'm like just saying that, if you're religious, but, you fucking just have to f- make a point about all this shit. Where, I mean, I don't... I vocally, as someone that doesn't practice religion, like, if somebody drops a fucking Jesus shoe, I'm not like, this is outrageous. You the know? Only thing, I'm just like, pass. I'm mean, like, thing, this is not for me. The only, <laughs> the only reason Nike got involved because like Nas X platform is fucking huge for yeah. real. And it was connected to that. If it had just been a regular shoe that wasn't connected to that and Nas wasn't getting the, uh, the backlash that he getting right now, they wouldn't have gave a fuck for real. I mean, it's all, all publicity. It's good publicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at the same time as Nike saying this isn't us, it's still bringing them, like, attention. Yeah, yeah And once they, that's why I yeah, think yeah, they, yeah. they put the lawsuit out, because I don't think they're going to win the lawsuit. Because at the end of the day, you, right now, you could buy 12 pair of Air Max 95s. And flip them. Yeah. And fucking color on them and put them out. And they can't make you not do that, because you paid yeah. for the shoes. Which yeah. is, uh, back, back it's not to a marketing, man. With Nike. <laughs> back to <Yeah>. marketing, man. <laughs> they could have did that. They could have uh, sued them, not even knowing they was going, not knowing that they not even going to get shit. But it just get you talking about nike yeah true for sure yeah true i mean, I mean yeah. nike it's not like nike need any more pub you know <laughs> but it's just like that secret marketing that nike be doing you know yeah, what i'm yeah, saying yeah. it's not actually they don't they ain't got no commercial or nothing yeah, you know what yeah, i'm saying you don't see no, this is like what nike do for real oh they got nike commercials I mean, they do, but I'm talking they, about like. But they mostly like just because I, I work for. I really haven't seen a Nike commercial. That, like I mean, they they post a lot of this stuff on, yeah, like, on, on, on YouTube. Site on YouTube, oh, yeah, on yeah. YouTube, yeah. But I'm talking about like you ain't gonna see it on TV and shit. But nobody watches actual TV anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. like well, everyone watches streaming services or YouTube. So today. part of my job on it, but as a creative director at Google, a lot of it I work on YouTube mm-hmm. mostly. Dude, it's probably the most viewed platform. It is like it's probably more viewed than Hulu and Netflix and shit. It's like the this, they gonna kill They've been going me. dumb with the ads, yeah. though. They've been going crazy. Every 32 <laughs> seconds, you got to watch the five-second joint. <laughs> this is fucking Can't even skip that, bitch. Oh and the YouTube premium 20 a month. They <laughs> give me the 20, like, fuck. Like, Stop with these five uh, seconds. No, you can't even skip and if you don't hit, hit it in time, you gotta watch the whole three minute thing. I'm like, oh, survey. I'll be working on the couch. <laughs> then I'm like, why have I been hearing about this fucking thing for three minutes? <laughs> Thought I was watching this podcast. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Um, since you do make clothes and you're like, we're talking about all these things. What uh, what brands or things are you kind of fucking with at this point in your life? Uh, I think you just kind of you know Pierre Moss. You know, I really fucked with what he was doing. I actually pitched him and Fair God. For this GMC thing a while ago, 
um, when I was working with other agencies. But no, nah, man, I really, to be honest, man, I'm not really the big. I, I, all my clothes are thrifted. They've been gifted. My homies made them, or I made them. True. Uh, I made a. I made a. I said something to myself when I made my first line when I was like 19 or like 18, 19 when I made my first line after I stopped playing basketball. I was like, I'm not buying nobody. I'm not buying no more clothes unless I made it. And since I've been 19, bro, um, I might flex like I might get a jacket or something, you know. But most of my stuff is thrifted. Or like these pants, I ain't buy these jeans. Mm-hmm. I modeled these jeans. This shirt, my homie gave me this shirt. Hell you know what right. I'm saying? Normally, I have my shoes my homie made. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's and I'm wearing Chuck Taylor, so that's nothing crazy. So I, that's I'm kind of like that. Yeah, I'm always trying to be very supportive, of, like the homie brands and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I be on for. Cause it's like why? <laughs> Might as well I mean, fuck I with be getting homies. hella shit off. Like, yeah, bro. you you be getting hella shit off. <laughs> <laughs> what you rocking with? Uh, I see you fresh over here. Y'all hey, call me. I came fresh. Clean, from the, I came fresh for the slime, Mr. which King. I got a dress. What you? What you? What uh, I really fuck with Pada, like Ami Leon Dior, the ALD shit. Hiram Preston, I fuck with a lot. I see the jacket right yeah, there. Yeah. I already peeped the earlier. Yeah, yeah, I fuck <laughs> with him a lot. Like his shit's great. Um, what other shit? I've been fucking with like the re. I feel like Stussy reinvented themselves, and I'm really fucking with the new Stussy. Because I mean, yeah. Sean and Stussy left the brand fucking like, 20 years ago, and they're finally making like cool shit again. So like Stussy. I mean, my, one of my friends owns Uprise. I fuck with Uprise Heavy, Juggernaut. Like, oh, yeah, he's a programmer. I forgot. He good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm medium. <laughs> medium. I have a lot of life overhead. <laughs> oh, shit, babe, y'all try to get in this break song? We just got to fuck. We're not doing no break song. We're just running this song. It's 53 minutes in. Is it? Yeah, we're just running this shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, so what else? How long y'all normally do it? Like an hour, hour 20. Hour. I didn't even realize that much time went by. Yeah. <laughs> Me and you first got up because... Um, I hit you up. You had posted a thing saying that you was trying to help out black, young black creators trying to get in the industry and shit. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna send my resume. And uh, yeah, Julian like helped me out a lot, man. And I like recently, like this week, I ain't finna, I ain't finna talk too much about it, man, because I, like, I don't want to jinx nothing. Yeah, you can't right jinx now, it. Man. You can't jinx it. But like, I think I finally might have found something. For real? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's tight. Hell yeah. Happy man, for that's you. all thanks to you, man. Hey, oh, talk cheers, to you, man. my joy. All right, wait. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, well, cheers once you get me up at Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a, that's a huge thing because like we was just talking about the uh, we was just talking about the percentages of black people that are in these industries and shit. And like you really trying to like help a motherfucker. Like I reached out to you. You even know me for real at that point. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. He I actually helped that. me with my shit for real. Word. <laughs> that's like a big human shout out. To honestly speak on that, once uh, you know when all the riots were happening and shit. Uh, DocuSign, who I work for, they like released their like stats of different like races that work at the company. It was ugly, dude. It was ugly. It was like eighty eight percent white people, dude. And they're yeah. like, yeah, it was fucking crazy. And that now, like, it's weird to say, but they're like actively trying to hire other people, which it's that's great. But it's like, damn, you're doing it just because you saw how ugly it was, which is fucked up. You should have been like. Candidates should just be candidates, dude. I mean, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? You what, should, however, it shouldn't force the numbers to be like, oh. How, however, it started. However, it started. As long as they trying to do something. you know what I mean. I mean, being making the right, like, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm just saying, but like, yeah, but it should have never been that way in the first place. It yeah, it shouldn't have been. You know what I'm saying? But it's like hire fucking the candidates that are best for the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you're fucking lying if like you think only 88 percent of these white people are the best qualified candidates. Yeah. It's what you, you were just oh, looking for that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, you know, it it, it goes and you know. You hire. I'm sure Google's kind of ugly, like dude. It's 
Yeah, uh, you, you like fuck like like you said, you hire motherfuckers that remind you like remind you of you. You know what look, I'm saying? Yeah. Like if I was in a position of power, like if I saw a little motherfucker that reminded me of me, I'm gonna honestly I'm gonna fuck with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you know, it but it goes into again, it it is it but from when we doing it is it's it's a different thing yeah. because is you just identify that you're one of not that many mm-hmm. versus like even white men and hiring white women, you know, like just yeah. as of recently when a lot of the inequality started happening, a lot of what happened was just white women kind of replaced the, the white men. Right. But for the other cultures, it just kind of moved a little bit, mm-hmm. but that just goes into just it being 2021 and people, you know, like we just had Trump, bro. It's like yeah. this stuff is not, you know, it, we can get into all day, but like you said, we'll take anything and not anything, but like to the point where if you're doing a performative, we're going to take advantage of this performative as action. You know yep. what I'm saying? But the, the thing goes into it where the, the culture fit, and it's not saying that we don't fit in the culture, but it goes into a lot of companies are having hard time retaining the talent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that shit's hard. Like, yeah. senses of humors are different. Mm-hmm. Shit you care about is different. Hell you know yeah. what I mean? The way we speak is different. I don't know. Yeah. It, a lot goes into it. Yeah. The thing that sucks, too, is what you kind of touched on earlier. A lot of times, it takes a very special company for you to feel like you can bring your real self to work. Because a lot of times, you got to bring your, your work self. Mm-hmm. And that sucks to spend eight to nine to ten hours a day being maybe not your 100% genuine self because yeah. you're in the work environment. Well, it, I'm going to challenge that, though. I'm going to challenge that in a way that it's a decision. It, it starts off as a survival mechanism. I'm not going to lie. My mom yeah. telling me, put your pants up. Don't wear your do-rag in there. Put your, take your hoodie down. Yep. Uh, I'll be like, I ain't doing that. She's like, I remember right. like. My, one, one second, okay. one second. She would then, you know, correct my English. You know what I'm saying? Then I would consciously say it the way I wanted to say it. And that was because I knew it was so much bigger than the way I spoke after you start to see people speak in different ways in different places. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like this way of speaking or the way I was living in the county was the, the almighty, all you know, omega. Yeah. So when I, I when I say these things, when I say it, it's, it gets to a point where you have to be cognizant that it's a choice at one point as to how you present yourself at work. And every interview that I've done, I come the way I would dress when I'm going to your crib to the party. Whether I'm wearing my bandana on my head, my Chuck Taylors, or Army Fatigue jacket, because especially as creatives, especially somebody I was just gonna say as that. a programmer, yeah. yeah, not like a lawyer, but like you, you program. That's a creative thing, right? So it's like this is who you about to get every day. Mm-hmm. Because if I feel like if I got to put on a Oxford T-shirt, Oxford shirt, and some khakis and a, some penny loafers. And to come yeah. in there, imagine if I came in there like a Google like that. Yeah, for sure. What I will say is, dude, honestly, man, on the 10th floor, which is like the tech floor of my job, you'd be seeing people wearing Preem, Jordans and shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, So it's not like super. No, I'm not saying that. you particularly. I'm saying for everybody. Yeah. As but we, there's certain environments. The like, if you're just really like, because I mean, we all need bread to survive. If you just take this weird admin job of this company, they could fuck around and be like, you need to wear khakis and a belt and shit. And that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, Fuck that, dude. But Who wants to come to work? Nobody. Right but I'm just saying, set that precedence. When you get when you have to set the precedence for every door they get closed, just understand there's another couple hundred doors yeah. just for you. That's what I'm saying. Be a be willing to be turned away yeah. to be you. It's just like getting in the club, man. Like some <laughs> niggas go to the club and they got <laughs> they got to wear some different shit. <laughs> you know what I'm but some I'd rather not come, go. Exactly, I'd rather not go. <laughs> 
Facts. I'm like, Facts. 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 I will not go. I'm like, you I'm going home. I'll make some shit I'll call Castle. I'm yeah, like, y'all better come get me. Hey, yo, Nick. Hey, yo, Nick. Come get me, dude. So, dude, I made the scene outside the Virgin. I had shorts on. They were like, you can't come in. I was like, give me three seconds. I had to call Castle. I was like, come get my ass. They let all 20 of us up with the shorts. For real. Come in with the tank tops on. Yeah, oh, <laughs> hell no. Castle, come get us. Dude. For real. Yeah, yeah. Fuck y'all dress code. <laughs> for facts. Fuck your dress code. You know and I have some fly ass <laughs> shit on. Oh, you got some crazy jacket. Oh, my you. shorts cost more than your shirt. Exactly, <laughs> bro. You need to relax. I'm going up with these shorts. Hell yeah. Man. Give me a I second to figure this shit out. I was there. Yeah, I'm you there. were there. You were right behind me. <laughs> 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 He's like, yeah, I wasn't up to shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what do you got coming up for the the rest of the year? What any plans for some oh my new God. art stuff? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm really. Um, I'm gonna. I have a interest from angel investors interested in me creating my own animation studios from my want to do feature films and that that Disney thing. I'm just saying that you know whether it happens or not, it lit a lot a big fire under my butt. The interest in Motherfuckers talking about M's, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, that's kind of tight. Sounds so, nice. but whether that happens or not, it really real put me in a space like, yo, this is where I'm at right now. Or mm-hmm. like, these are the kind of conversations I can have where I am having, which is wild. So that apart, as I'm building that, I have a couple of things that I'm working on. One, um, the NFT environment, non fungible tokens that oh, you know, yeah. the crypto art space. You know what I'm saying? Which yeah, is, huge. if you haven't really heard about it. Google, NFT, Bible. Hold on, we might as well just talk about it real quick. Oh, not much we talk for the people. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think a lot of people don't. Because a lot, know a lot of people have just been. I know a lot of people just been because I didn't expl- tried to explain it to hella people. Should I talk about my token or y'all want to talk about the NFT first? Both. NFT, then go into the token. Okay, yeah, drop sure. the knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so a non fungible token essentially it helps you prove the um, it helps you prove an original piece and also helps you prove the uh, scarcity of a piece, a digital piece, and it's on the blockchain. Right now, a lot of things are being traded on the Ethereum blockchain. Ethereum is a cryptocurrency that allows you to transfer digital goods that are attached with a smart contract. And with that smart contract, you can program your 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 digital piece to do and uh, uh, act certain ways. For instance, the reason why it's so dope in the, um, the art community is if I create a digital asset that you could have, yes, see on Instagram, but you can attest the same thing to the Mona Lisa. If you got the print of the Mona Lisa, you don't own that motherfucker, right? Mm-hmm. So if I create a digital asset and I prove that they're only a limited, that I only create a one for one, when I sell it, let's say I, I sell it to you, right, uh, Iki, um, and I get it for, and I sell it to you for one Ethereum. One Ethereum is currently like, $1,800, okay? I sell it to you, and it's proven that it's come from me on the blockchain. The blockchain just helps keep that intact, right? Mm-hmm. But within that smart contract that I mentioned earlier, I can program my residuals. I can, I can program it to be 15%. I can program it to be 30%, 50%, 90%. Okay. Which, what means is if you sell it, then I get the sales from that. I get the percentage from your sale, that yeah. you got from me. And if they sell it again, I get that residual. So I get life. It's royalties. Royalties like a motherfucker. And if I die, I can pass it on. So that's at, at the very basic level, it, that's what it allows for us to do. And if you play Fortnite, kids and adults and whoever is playing Fortnite, if you think about the skins that you spent all your money on 
to put on your character fifty dollars, hundred dollars, and then what happens when Fortnite goes away? Yeah, you lose all of that yeah. money. Yeah. You lose all of that money. Yeah, but imagine if those skins were limited edition skins. If if you got it in 2020, 2021, and if these skins in the future, just thinking future, and I'm gonna stop because I don't want to get too heady. And if you think in the future that these things become intent, instant vintage pieces, yo, you got the Mega Man skin from like 2021, designed by Julian, yeah. the Logic, yo. And, and you can apply that skin to other characters and video games and stuff like that in the future. It has so much value. Mm. Um, just kind of, I'm going to end it on that. But that's just like a fundamental thing, I guess, about yeah. what an NFT could be. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that shit. I didn't know that that uh, that it was like royalties for Yeah, yeah, for yeah sure. no, you can program that shit. I didn't there. know that it was like that for real. Like, I just knew it as like a basic, very basic understanding of it is just like being like a trading card. That's what I was telling no, her. It's like, just one I didn't know that's the way the whole world is going. Yeah. Things are going to be just live yeah. in a virtual space, like so, digital mm-hmm. space. So it only a, makes sense. So on a, on a, if in the physical space for like if an artist were in a gallery to sell artwork, um, we in London, right? And you come in, it's like, oh my God, I like this piece, right? And then I sell it to you for $2,000 or whatever, $5,000. Um, and you buy the piece for five thousand because I'm just starting off as an artist, and I'm like, oh my god, it's my five thousand yeah. dollar piece. And then you go to America with it, and in a contract, I'm supposed to get twenty five percent of the sales or thirty percent of the sales. But what happens in the art market is when people go to other countries, they might not, they don't acknowledge those contracts, yeah. or even in domestically, people might not. Even, mm-hmm. You have no way of tracking no way of for that it. they sold your piece, mm-hmm. and they're making so the one you bought for I, that I sold for five thousand, and now I'm booming as an artist, right? People fucking with my name now. My shit going for a hundred k. You sell my shit for a buck fifteen. I'm supposed to get some residuals off of that, mm-hmm. but I have no way of tracking. That in right. the physical, so that's what a right. lot of the blockchain helps alleviate. And there's a couple holes and loopholes and stuff that's happening, but I feel like give it a couple of years, bro, we're gonna it's gonna mm-hmm. be straight. Yeah, it's gotta get worked out. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's yeah. gonna keep developing. Just how everything starts, at, you know, starts at a ground level and builds up and up. You know, yo, yeah. your sweater is nice, man. Oh, thanks. I looked at the shoulders. I was like, that's a very careful <laughs> stitching. Right there. Yeah, yeah, I try to get nice things. <laughs> I don't even put nice. That's not things. your run of the mill, dude. Like nice things on my those. body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we do. We gotta, before we get out of here, we got to ask because we are a music based pod. What, what music you been fucking with lately? Uh, man, I just be listening to my homie mixes, man. So I get a bunch of everything some Bossa Nova, uh, true, some true. trap music, some Sade, some whatever, bro. I really be on like, um, I try not to spend a lot of my time changing tracks because I just got a lot of things You're on my mind. Vibe. Yeah, bro. I'll be, I get the mixes that be like an hour and a half. Three hours, and I just kind of circulate through that. Um, so shout out to my homie uh, Mars, uh, Champagne Wishes, Do Right Mars. You know what I'm saying? Police State. That's he's all, that's all one person. He goes by all those aliases. Super talented dude. Shout out to Blue the Great. He got a crazy mixes, and you know I still rock with the Selection Crew. You know Sasha Marie, she's cold. Uh, Andre Power. Shout out to him. He the homie. So I just kind of listen to you know that type of music. Let them serve up the vibes, and. Um, and I'm going to say this uh, for you, just to wrap up that why, how I got in the Google thing. The, the cherry on the cake was, I mean, the, what's the cherry on the cake, cherry on the pot? Um, after all the stuff that I did, whether it was, you know, working in advertising and still doing street art and, like, underground things, and being very careful of who I collaborated with, whether it was Soho House or uh, the Rolling Stones or something, like the Rolling Stone magazine. So... Even if I did them for free or I got a couple hundred, I did them from a pair of tennis shoes, but on paper it just looked like, what are you doing, right? So 
I was able to, I was, and living in my truth, doing that, and also working in the advertising field, where I was able to create that subsidiary agency at Leo Burnett after I saw that culture and color wasn't, uh, that they identified as a synonymous thing, and you clearly understand that culture and color is not synonymous, right? (laughs) So for old motherfuckers, they don't see that. So doing that, I was able to create a subsidiary agency at Leo Burnett, and it was called Naomi. And we named Naomi after the wife of Leo Burnett. And it was like we're the confidant. We're the person that you trust uh, within the walls of maybe your mishaps. We'll keep you like, yo, y'all kind of fucking up. You know what I'm saying? And we also bring you ideas and things like that. So that's how we approached it. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I was working on dip. Dip, like tobacco dip. And I was like, I can't think. Think about about dip every day. Think about thinking about dip (laughs) every day. Yeah. Right? It's literally the most disgusting thing. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck this. Exactly. So I, I made it to the point where, like, I got so busy on Naomi where I didn't have to work on dip anymore. Because I was, like, flying to Detroit and all these things, fit, uh, working on GMC and GM and all that. And I remember one day, and this is, like, really, like, understanding you have nothing to lose. And I'm not going to keep it long-winded. But understanding that you have nothing to lose, they were like, I came, I came back. I was, like, in, in Detroit for, like, a week and a half working on some CES stuff. And then uh, I had a meeting with one of the uh, art, the art uh, managers, or the creative managers. And she was like, uh, yeah, so we got this, this new, this uh, email blast or something for uh, the dip brand. She's like, do you think you would do it? I'm fucking tired. I was like, I looked at her. I was like, if y'all ask me, if I work on dip, I will literally quit. <laughs> I was like, you don't, I was like, you don't need me. You don't need my energy for dip. You don't need is dip. You don't need my yeah. energy for dip. And I, that's when it was like, yo, like you can let you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and she didn't give me that shit either. But it was like, so by doing that, man, uh, during the pandemic, uh, I think I I got nominated for a Rising Star Award, and um, I went to L.A. and it's this thing called Ad Color, which features disenfranchised people, whether you're like disabled or color or your know, gender difference or whatever mm-hmm. so i got nominated nominated for this thing rising star award and uh i went there and i think i met i don't know how i really got in google but i did this i did so i, I didn't win it was like fucking red carpet getty images it was super sick and then i filled out this card and it, and, and i was like tomorrow uh it's the calm before the storm i don't know if i won the award but it that never mattered anyway just keep doing what you know how to do keep making dope shit and I was able to mail myself a letter, right? And I did, you could do like two weeks, six months, three months, and six months. I did six months. I was like, I want to uh-huh. forget about it. So I did it. I mailed it off in six months. And I get the letter. Like, I forget I get the letter. Uh-huh. And uh, as I, I'm reading the letter, I'm, I'm in the middle of my interviews with Google. And I read the letter, and I read it. And then it was a Google YouTube fucking postcard. That I filled out at the thing in Los Angeles, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So it came full circle. That's yeah, and I was like, fucking amazing. And I was like, I got the fucking job. And I was still like, the interviews with Google like two months. Uh-huh. And uh, basically, I got purged because I did the thing at the Naomi thing at Leo Burnett in my art career and all those things. And also, so that's that's what was the cadence: my childhood doing art, being relentless, man. And uh, I definitely appreciate y'all. Oh, we like, appreciate you so much. Pulling Hell me yeah. in, man. Hell yeah, man. It's an honor for real, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. We want to thank you one more time for coming through, man. This episode 89. And hey, man. This oh, 89? Yeah.
Yo, Hater? eight's my favorite number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three, in a row. Man, this nigga really? penis we don't goes miss. stupid. We don't miss. <laughs> when you in the space and you see them, it looks. <laughs> you gotta curate hey. your space, man. Yeah, when you in the space and you see them, man. Hey, you already know what time it is, man. What up, Patreon? <laughs> we appreciate y'all tapping. You know, 89 episodes down. We'll be back with 90 after this. Yes, sir. Thank you again for showing up, man. Logic, I'm out. Gotta keep the devil in his hole, nigga. Yeah, man. You know how it goes. Great episode. Straight up.